welcome to Busted Biscuits. I'm Jen Stanley. And I'm Jill Super. And today, we are continuing our episodes on loneliness. Yes, we are. We've got this one and one more. Mm-hmm. And this has been really informative, I think. Yeah. I've, I've learned a lot about it, like um, just really kind of grasping the concept of it and how it impacts a lot of people. Yeah. And what it, like the feelings and the emotions and things like that, that are kind of tied to it and what isn't loneliness, what is loneliness. It's, it's been really informative. Yes. I would agree. And so then before we dive into that, though, we want to give you some announcements. Yeah, as usual. Yep. The first thing we got going is our coloration celebration. Yes, we do. On September 30th at 6 p.m. Blue Spruce Park in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Uh, we are coming together for a color party. And mm-hmm. if you don't know what that is, it is a, you, you dress in one color, you bring a snack and that same color and it is all about that color for you for the night and then we've got all kinds of other people dressed in other colors it's going to be fun it is we've got some activities planned and then we just want to hang out and have some fun where can they find and sign up for that oh busted biscuits you dot us uh-huh. uh, on our website and there's a link uh, to eventbrite and then also on our facebook page yes. you can find the eventbrite link and some information there's also a link to a video that'll kind of show you what we're talking about yeah. so, so you know <laughs> check yeah that out. so you can have a general idea of what we're ta- what yeah. what that is get some ideas from that but i will say that those videos have like these elaborate spreads oh yeah of <laughs> snacks and so we are not expecting that we are just like you know one snack one color pick that kind pink of thing. bring a pink bring pink Cupcakes. Oh, my gosh. Mm. <laughs> I'm thinking about, my thought has been maybe yellow and bring a banana pudding. We'll okay. See. I don't know. Coke. Okay. I, you can, I can tell that you're thrilled by that. <laughs> um, Coco, my middle daughter, is all about yellow. That is her color. And so, okay. you know, maybe. Is she coming? I don't know. I need to ask her. Yeah. Uh, no, she's not because it's also homecoming for, oh, um, for the Indiana, Indiana High School. High so school. she won't okay. be there. She'll be decked out in something else. All looking right. amazing she needs to wear a yellow dress that maybe night. yeah like, hey i'll bring a pudding you wear your dress <laughs> we'll see what happens okay, okay then our second announcement yes. is about the she is conference she is mm-hmm. yes so here in indiana pa we have a conference that summit church was on it's the she is conference and it's she is transformed is what it is this year and it's october 26th through 28th we have it at the kcac the kvalchik center here um in indiana and so um it's a women's conference yeah and it's been it's really great this is probably i want to say year eight i need to probably double check that before I keep quoting that, but I think it's the eighth year that we've done this. And so, um, it's a really great conference. Like it's an opportunity for women to come together, to hear some great speakers, to connect with God and, and really, um, Man, have a good time. Yeah, right? I, I, the the times that I've had an opportunity to go, I've really, really enjoyed myself. There's, it's so informative. It makes you, it it does a lot of what we do, right? Go, going inside and kind of looking at where you're at, where uh-huh. where are you, and what do you need to do? What work do, needs to be done? So it's 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 always a good investment of time. Yes, and if, if so, if you're interested in that and signing up for it and getting your ticket, um, you can go to sheisconference.org. Yeah, and so we would love to have you sign up, and maybe we can see you there and wave yeah. and say howdy. Say howdy, let everybody. Know. Okay, let's dive into to loneliness. All right. So the book that we're using for this one is called The Loneliness Epidemic. It's by Susan Metz. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's why so many of us feel alone and how leaders can respond. Um, so it's kind of been an interesting take. It's really rich with research. Um, so there's a whole lot of um, data here that we can kind of pull from that I think is, is really going to be interesting to kind of get a, a grasp on loneliness and, and what it looks like. So the, kick us off with some stats. All right, here we go. The Barag Group. So this is the one, uh, this particular organization is what the author used to get most of the stats. So that one in three adults in the U.S. report feeling lonely almost all the time. Mm. That's a third. A third of Americans. All the time. Adults feel it. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Like that's like never not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They always feel lonely. Mm. That, that just weighs heavy. 
that just sits really heavy on my heart. Going, man, to not have anybody that you are connected with, to feel yeah. like not have intimacy, like emotional intimacy with someone. I mean, right. I can I can put myself in that place because I've been there, but I also didn't realize it when I was there. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, this will this will be interesting. Okay, keep going. Twenty two percent said that they experience unwanted singleness. So twenty two percent of Americans say that they experience unwanted singleness. Does that mean single and nobody in your life? Yeah. Like they're, they're not not married. married. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That they aren't wanting, they are wanting to be married. They are not wanting to be single. 22% of people are experiencing Mm -hmm. that. Then in the, in the Christian community, 43% of all Christian millennials say that they are experiencing unwanted loneliness. Um, Excuse me. Singleness. Unwanted singleness. Yeah. Close to half. Pushing half. Yes. That's crazy. They don't want to be single, but they are. Worldwide. 25% 25% of people age 18 to 35 say they felt lonely and isolated from others. Only one in three said that they had someone who believed in them. Mm. So again, a third of the people. So so go back to the first stat. So one in three adults in America say that they feel lonely almost all the time. Nationwide, or excuse me, worldwide, one in three, the same amount of people that are feeling lonely all the time, only one in three say that they have someone who believes in them. In so, the entire world. Right. So it flip-flops. That, so two-thirds feel like they don't have anybody so that believes in them two-thirds of the of the worldwide population from age 18 to 35 said that they don't feel like anybody believes in them that's that's real well the <laughs> statistics say it so like they're oh my gosh mm-hmm. okay well and, and so that feels really thank you for listening to busted biscuits <laughs> Yeah. So like, to me, that talks about how important it is that we, you know, do something about it. Yeah. Right. I agree. You need to have someone that's like putting the wind in your sails and pushing you to be, you know, a new person and really growing and and believing and pushing you, you know, you can do this and rooting for you. Rooting for you. you, Yeah. So um, typically people who are lonely are young adults, people who feel insecure, and then even people who want more privacy, they feel this intense loneliness these days. So those are the people that are, it really hit, seems to hit. Can't wait till we dive into that one. Mm. Okay. Rates of loneliness are higher today than they were in the 1980s. Do you have any thoughts about why that would be? Well, because the 80s was so cool. Is it now? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> that was my junior high phase, so that was definitely not oh, good for nice. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but, I mean, uh, okay, I'm going to go back to the obvious, right? In the mm-hmm. eight, I grew up in the 80s and uh-huh. the early 90s. I graduated in 93. We were outside people. Like we just yep. went and hung with our friends and we did all the things with people. Like yep. we were just out doing things, roaming from house to house, running around the neighborhood, going to the next neighborhood over, even though you may not have, you, you know, weren't you weren't supposed to. Supposed to. Um, so I don't, I, I, I feel like that has changed. Like I don't uh-huh. see kids outside. I don't see kids running around That's in true. my neighborhood. Yeah. And so that in and of itself speaks to the fact that they're stuck somewhere in a house doing something that yeah. isn't is in community. Have you seen that photo? It's like a, I don't know, like maybe eight to 10 bicycles outside of someone's house. And they said, this is how you used to find out where the party was. Yes. <laughs> you know, or, where, or where all your friends are like, Oh, yes. that's where everybody's at. They're hanging out over there today, yes. you know, because that's where the bicycles were. And so then and you also have that whole bit about, uh, you gotta be home by the time the street lights come on. Yep. You know, and so that was you so kind of just went and did your thing. That or if my dad whistled, I could hear him like four oh. blocks away. Wow. So you're like, Ooh, I gotta go. That's me. Gotta leave. Mm-hmm. That's pretty wild. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that the way we connected was different in the 80s. That's probably why. So, um, in the beginning, when, like, God created the earth and he created Adam and Eve, like, he said that it wasn't good for man to be alone. Like, when he took six days to create everything, he said, like, when there was light, he said, this is good. When there was heavens and the water, this is good. Land and sea, vegetation, when he created that, this is good. 
And like he kept going when the birds and the fish land and the animals and humans, everything, this is good. And then when Adam was hanging out by himself, he said, it's not good that man be alone. And so like we weren't created to be alone. We were yeah. created for relationship. And so we are supposed to be connecting with people. And so um, being in isolation is it's just really hard. Yeah. They said that loneliness is perennial, universal, and urgent. What do you think about those words? Perennial. Um, it's everyone. It's all the time and it needs to be fixed. Yeah. That's what it makes. That's how it reads to me. Yeah. Perennial like sounds like just reoccurring. Yes. Like it's, you know, constant almost. We tend to lack intimacy. In 1985, Americans had three people to have an important conversation with. And then in 2006, it dropped to two. This one, this stat really like jumped out at me. Um, I even did a reel about it when I was first uh, reading on this book. And that 25% of Americans said that they had no one to talk to about important matters. One in four don't feel like they've got anybody. It's hard. That, yeah. I think we talked about that in one of the previous podcasts too. Like, who do you, what do you do? Cause there's, yeah. there's at the end of the day, there's stuff you, you need to process through and who do you have to do that with? It's terrible. It is think, terrible. To think that somebody goes home and keeps it all bottled up and mm-hmm. then goes the next day and gathers more. Yes. It's sad. Yes. We are more likely to share our bodies than our thoughts and concerns. What? And that sounds so, that sounds so backwards, right? Because you would think that you'd be more willing to talk about how you feel and to share your feelings than to like connect sexually with someone. But yet a sexual connection seems easier for people Uh, than to talk about how they feel about things. Yeah. It's just backwards. (laughs) So the author advocates that friendships are more important than family relationships. Like chosen kin help the most with loneliness. The people we meet and become friends with matters more to our loneliness than our parents or siblings. Why do you think that is? Oh, well... I think for me, my perspective is that because those are the people that you've spent so much time with and you've grown up with and they've seen your failures and your successes, um, they they know who you are in that moment, you know, as you grow. Um, for me, the like looking back and having kids and all of these things, what I see is that sometimes they know you and so they they just assume that that is going to continue to be you right Uh like that you're not you don't have the potential for growth or change yes very true and so like i look at that and think um you know when we meet and become friends with it matters more because um those aren't the same people that we've been with and they can see us in a different light and they can they can see us for who we're trying to grow into Mm. you know and support us through that Mm -hmm. like it just becomes a whole a whole different way of viewing yourself and that identity that you're growing mm, into. That's good. I think when I heard that stat, what it said to me was that um, when people pick you, when you're chosen, like you can't mm. choose what family you're born into. Yeah. You can choose who you're spending time with and hanging out with. And so then that feels more, you know, you weren't stuck with me. You picked me. Yeah. And that like feels that. better. And so sometimes we're, we're with family out of obligation. Like I, you know, recently was talking to someone that said, if he wasn't my dad, I wouldn't spend time with him. But since he is, I feel obligated to do that. And oh. so, um, just because of the nature of that relationship is really sour. And so then like just out of obligation being there. And so being there for obligation feels very different than being there because you want to be there. That's so true. I think that that, for yeah. me at least, that would be my perspective on why that impacts things. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the ability to make and keep friendships is essentially what you need to flourish as a human. Like you have to be able to make connections with people to be able to make it as a human being. I would agree with that. Why do you agree? Uh... Well, we, again, going back to all the things that we just said, right? Like if you don't have those people in your life who see you for where you're at and help you to grow into someone different, you're going to be stuck continually in that same mm-hmm. space. And, and, and a lot of times you may not be happy in that same space long-term. Mm-hmm. 
And so you need those people around you to keep growing. Absolutely. Um, in, in the church, loneliness is definitely something that impacts the church. You, mm. you might assume that it wouldn't, that like people are in the church and so they're not as lonely, but one in six people who attend church regularly say that they are lonely all the time. And so I, I dug around to see what they meant by regularly, and it's like once a month. So <laughs> for four for people who attend church once a month, one in six of them say they're lonely all the time. Why? Well, good question. Um, practicing Christians report that loneliness is always embarrassing. So I wonder if that's why. Mm, okay. So like, so like you're not you're not willing to admit that you're lonely. Yeah. So you're not may not that's say considered that. a weakness, right? So like you can admit in a survey because no one knows who's saying it, right? It's okay for you to say, <laughs> yeah, I feel lonely, but to say that to someone that you're in church with, it's harder to say that. Hmm. They said that 25 percent Christians said that loneliness is always bad. Why do you think it would be? They would think it's bad. I don't know. Okay. I mean, when I think about, I mean, I've talked about this before. When I think about loneliness, it's like, uh, I, I, I'm going to attach myself to God. Like for me, because I'm a Christian, like mm -hmm. in the faith that I have, I would, I would align myself in those lonely moments and know that I'm not alone. But at the same time, uh, I well, guess it could be, I don't know. Why? Well, I, th I mean, me. my thought, this is just my opinion, right? Is that um, you think loneliness is bad because it's mean that there's something wrong with you. And so like so often, and this is starting, this culture is trying to shift hmm. and change within the church, like big C, that it's okay to not be okay. But I think for the longest time, and, and in some churches still, people don't feel like it, they have the ability to admit that something's wrong. Because like you, you, once you get to church and you start serving God, then you're like, oh, see, everything's great. God is so great. He's changed my life. That's which, not true. Which he, well, he has changed your life. <laughs> well, but. he has changed your life, but it doesn't mean it's always great. Yeah, like, right. There are, so there are hills and valleys. Absolutely. <laughs> and so then like there's some kind of perception that it's not like once you've committed your life to God, then you can't say there's something wrong, which uh, we all struggle. Absolutely. We Everyone do. in the church struggles. I yeah. mean, we're not perfect. We're not God. And so that's why. That's well, wow, that's and, sad. And, and Summit, which is where we att yeah. attend here in Indiana, is really good about that. Yeah, you know, like we, Like broken people. Come to church, yeah. right? And so, like, that's where you learn how to how to fix those things, you right? Because how to heal? Because <laughs> they say you don't have to come clean. You have to, you know, come come as you are, come dirty, and like you'll you'll figure it out once you get there. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to wash away some of those things. Yeah, and 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 being okay to say, hey, I need some help. Yeah, and so like creating an environment where it's safe to say those things, I think it's important. I would agree. The next one: a third of Christian households barely ever practice hospitality. 60% have guests in their home once a month, and only 39% have a guest in their home who aren't family members. Do you have people in your home? Never. Never? <laughs> Never. I'm, I'm, you know. Birthdays, maybe, and it's just immediate family. <laughs> I have been to your house, but I have not been in your house. This is true. We've been yeah. friends for two years, yeah. and you have not been in my uh -uh. house. I haven't. Um, All right, fine. You can come to my I'm, house. Well, sound like I <laughs> Yeah. I'm taking a camera. I'm going to video it. No. Document, <laughs> document it. Well, and so like, um, I, I don't think I have people once a month. I mean, I, I might, sp I mean, I have people at my house, but, um, I, I, there's definitely been seasons in my life that it's not been consistent. Mm. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have somebody once a month unless my kids friends count because they're over there. Do they count? Sure. Okay. Then, then I'm good. Because <laughs> Claire, my social butterfly, is always wanting to have people around. And so then maybe that. If I've given you that pass, you're going to have to give me the pass that says my kids drop in. Oh, okay. Oh, so well, it's they don't live members, home. right? It said, th so 39% are, are that have guests that aren't family members. Well, and the thing is, I don't have a lot. I have like one friend in, mm -hmm. in my neighborhood or in, in the town that I live in. Everyone else, I have to come to, to another town in order to see. And so mm -hmm. I don't necessarily make people leave, like a whole group of people leave to come to my house when it's easier for me to 
to just as one person um, go yeah, there. That makes sense. So. But if you're going in someone's house, maybe that's the same thing. True. Like you're connecting at someone's house. True. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I also probably need to start finding neighbors to be friends because that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. We're, we're talking about that in the next episode. <laughs> Don't get ahead of things, Jill. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so definition of loneliness. When loneliness was first used, it meant solitude. So like it, when it first came out and like became a word, it meant solitude. So it said mm. that like the first time that the word lonely was in literature was in 1600. And then like, but they found it documented. The word loneliness was in a document in 1580. So lonely was first used in 1600. Loneliness was in 1580. And it was used for someone who was in solitude or in the wilderness. Mm. And so like they, they it meant something different. Yeah, it, completely different. Because to me like solitude and maybe in the wilderness is almost like a choice. Yeah. You know, that feels different. And oftentimes loneliness doesn't feel like a choice. Loneliness feels like what you feel in reaction to the, the, your environment. Yeah, and I think about what would be happening at that time, and maybe people were going off to explore uncharted territory, right? Uh-huh. Like, that's where you're going. You're going into the wilderness or going into that Yeah, that like solitude. Lewis and Clark kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nowadays, solitude and wilderness mean different things as well. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, even those things are defined differently. So True. that's interesting. Okay. So then, and people do need solitude mm-hmm. because like when you are in solitude, when you're by yourself, you're able to process and then you can self-regulate and then you increase um, creativity. So with self-regulation, like I, I think, man, if you're fighting with someone or you're having, you're feeling kind of, you know, worked up then you go, you know what, let me just, I need to take a break. Let me yep. step aside. Let yep. me be alone for a few minutes, gather my <laughs> thoughts and I'll come back. Right. Give me the pause. <laughs> right. And so then, you know, being alone helps you to do that. If you're mm-hmm. going conti- because what happens if you're staying in that environment, then you're continuing to take on stimuli and you can't like calm yourself down and like really get a hold of what's going on. So like yeah. taking a minute to That's step so aside, true. taking a significant amount of time, you know, can be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I like that. Mm-hmm. So I ran across this definition and it's, it's probably my favorite but that loneliness is the discrepancy between the relationships you have and the relationships you want to have. I know you've said that a couple of times yeah. and it's still just kind of, it, it's like the deficit or the gap in between all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're like saying, you know, this is what I want, but I don't have it. And so then, you, and then you're almost hyper-focusing on what you don't have. I know I'm, I'm going to digress us for here just for a minute because okay. a lot of times we have people who see things and think they want that, uh-huh. but may not know even what they want. Uh-huh. How do we, how do we, bridge that hmm. so like because like there is a gap obviously mm-hmm. so like, give me a little bit more so like they see somebody like has a friend group and they don't know if they want that or what do you mean oh well no like social media right okay. like or or yeah friends uh, like you have someone who says i really really want this in my life how do i get it right and uh-huh. so how do you how do you bridge that gap where do you where do you go i mean we may be addressing this later so i don't yeah. want to jump too far ahead but like is this just go back to us talking about all the self-work right? Like the awareness and and really knowing what you want. Or is there, is that gap something that, like, how do you fill it? Well, I I think it's really trying to, you got to figure out what you want, right? And so that may mean that you take a few risks to try to see if that's what you you like. You know, you got to try things. And so like, you got to figure out if you want the Big Mac or the double quarter pounder with cheese, or if you want chicken nuggets, right? Like (laughs) try them all. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So essentially, yes. So then you need to put yourself out there and kind of see what it is that you want and like, and not be afraid to say, yeah, I tried this, but this isn't what I want. Like I thought this is what I wanted, but maybe not. And so it's kind of about expectations, which we'll be talking about in our next episode. Okay. You know, kind of what you're looking for. Um, research found that loneliness like an illness spreads person to person. This was crazy. I, it took me a little bit to grasp the concept. So someone is 52% more likely to be lonely if they are directly connected to another lonely person. 
loneliness is contagious. What do you think? Well, I read that the first time and I thought, what? I know. And then I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense in a lot of different ways. So how did it make sense to you? Well, because a lot of times loneliness is sad. And so when you spend a lot of time with someone who's sad, that may rub off on you a little bit and you start to see things in a different light. Mm-hmm. may not be the best light to look at things in. Um, and so it, it can potentially make you look at your own life and be like, oh, yeah, I have this too. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I have this too. And not recognize the blessings and the, the, the good things that are happening in yeah. your life. Yeah. And so it, it takes priority. Like it, it kind of, like if you're, if it's a scale, right? Like it, it weighs a little more. And uh-huh. so it's gonna, it's gonna weigh a little heavier on you. Well, and depending on why that person, the first person is lonely. Mm-hmm. If they're, if, if you're spending time with them and that first person doesn't know how to connect with you or with people and you don't know how to connect with them, then mm-hmm. you would continue to be in the same space, but not be emotionally connecting. Yeah. That makes a lot so of I sense. I think that that could be one thing. Yeah. Um, the book also kind of described this, um, that loneliness starts on the edge of society. And so like, this was kind of an interesting picture. So if you think about, um, you know, dropping a rock in water and how it has those ripple effects is that, you know, go out. Boo, boo, mm-hmm. boo, boo. So if the very, very middle of that center would be um, people in the middle have close ties and they have good contacts. And then as you get, and you're kind of like entangled in a good way, like you've got a lot of people around you. And so then slowly, as you get farther and farther away from that middle group of society, then you end up on the fringe. Okay. And so when you're on the fringe, that means that you have less opportunity to like connect to people, like something about your life is going on that you have less opportunity to do that. And so then they said like an iceberg, the sides start to fall off. So it starts to crumble. And so then being on the edge of society can impact how you connect to people because you, whatever's put you on the edge prevents you from making connections. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was. I think you, yeah. I could dig into that a little bit deeper to try yeah. to find out how loneliness can be um, a contagion. Mm. Well, so probably what really like sent us down this loneliness path was this statistic that we've said before on the, the podcast, because this one struck me mm-hmm. so hard and heavy. And like, it's definitely been one I've used socially. Like, guys, you're not going to believe this. But that <laughs> loneliness predicts an early death. You're more likely to die from loneliness than you are from smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Like, <laughs> man, I, I just, that just yeah. blows me away because like, I, I feel like that smoking a pack of cigarettes a day is it's pretty detrimental to your health. Yes. And maybe I believe, you know, all those, you've seen people die of cancer. You see all mm-hmm. the commercials like saying, don't, don't smoke, you know? And so like, um, I've seen how that can impact someone's health, but to know that being lonely is worse than that. Yeah. Oh, oh. The toll that it takes on your heart and your body. Oh, man. <laughs> Yucky. <laughs> so sad. Mm-hmm. So there's two kinds of loneliness. There's like loneliness because we want company and loneliness because we want people. We want intimacy. So like we want company. That's wanting people. Loneliness because we want intimacy. So how do you see those two being different? Um, company is, is kind of being around people. Yeah. To me, that's like you invite company over and you're like sitting around talking and doing the things, right? Loneliness, because we want intimacy, is more about I want to grow closer to you. And I think about in terms of my husband or my close my close friendships, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to understand who you are and what makes you tick and, and what all the things that you, you know, your aspirations and your dreams as well as your, your bad days. Like I want to know it all. Yeah. Well, Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I think that that's good. And so then when people are deeply lonely, they, they're looking for intimacy. They're not just looking for company. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's not enough for them to just be in the same space. They're, they're really wanting to connect. Yeah. And so like th- there's a need for that, a longing for it. I would agree. How do we got to find that. Mm-hmm. When you spend time with people, like um, you get closer. And so an intimate friends are confidants. So this next statement is from directly from the book. This is not a Jen Stanley statement. Okay. <laughs> 
So, so these intimate friends that are confidants, they're people who have heard you fart or know how you feel only about your spouse's, not only about your spouse's loud chewing, but also about the way your mom talks to your dad or what it means when you like laugh a certain way. These are the people you can depend on emotionally. And in addition to closeness and trust, there's mutual love. Mm, so, I love that. So like, those are the people that like you do life together with. <laughs> so like, honestly, I'm not, a, I don't, I don't like to fart in front of people. So like, I'm like going, oh, okay, if that's part of the list here, I don't know who would be, who would make that as my intimate confidant. Like that's, that feels like kind of far for me. Like I, like that, that feel, I don't know. That feels pretty personal. I'd probably would, would change clothes in front of someone like, you know, before I would fart in front of them. <laughs> How weird is that? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, yes. I don't know. Um, d- how do you feel about that de- definition of the intimate friendships? I would agree with that. Like I think about the some of the friendships that I've developed and I know that those are the things, right? Like like I said, those are the 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 secrety things, like yeah. the things that aren't out for everybody to know. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's where you know that this is a this is a connection. This yeah. is deeper than than just the superficial stuff. Well, and this is these are the people I think that know what snacks you like. Yeah. You know, and they know like where you want to eat. Yeah. And they they can that, pick up your order. If they right. Not that everything should center around food, but like they have a good idea, you know, <laughs> what you want you enjoy doing. It's yeah. so, like they know you and then hopefully you know them back in return. Yeah. So there's a few um, myths that this book had talked about um, that we have about loneliness. And we kind of want to walk through that and, and see how we feel about those things. Because um, I think often we, we feel like we understand loneliness, but we don't always, we don't always grasp it. Yeah. Right. And so... One of the myths is that older adults are the loneliest. Hmm. So why do you think we believe that originally? Why is that even thing something we consider? Uh, well, sorry, a little bit morbid, but like as you get older, people that are in your life pass away and you uh-huh. have less and less connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes physical limitations will cause you to like be isolated in your home, not getting out as much. Yeah. Uh, nobody wants to visit a nursing home. Yeah. Like those kinds of things. Right. Like to go to visit a nursing home can be kind of, well, disruptive to your busy life. So if, if yeah. you have younger children, as in like, you know, people in their 30s and 40s and, and you're in a nursing home, like maybe it's it feels like a lot of effort to have to come see you. Yeah. You know, and so then it happens less and less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really sad. And it so is. like you, we perceive the older people are, are more lonely. But the, the reality is that young adults are the loneliest. And so like people... Mm, I can see that though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how, why can you see that? Um. Well, I think about... I mean, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead in this one, but I think about being um, a teenager, right? And mm-hmm. how I couldn't wait to get out of the house and mm-hmm. get be on my own and be independent because I thought I would have it all together. And then I got there and I was like, I don't have anybody. And I already said, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. I shut you out. Like, you know, I pushed myself oh. away. Uh-huh. Now I'm alone. Now I'm really alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, now what do I do? Because I don't have the life experience to deal with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so then you're like, now what? And so then, yeah, you're, and, yeah. and you know, um, how, how do you overcome that? So, so the myth is that older adults are the loneliness. The truth for that is that some things go, go with older age, like you decline and then you have bereavement and this can cause loneliness. Like you lose people in your life. You kind of mm-hmm. said that. So mm-hmm. that's the truth of the, of the myth. But the reality is that young adults are more lonely and it's because uh, their life structure and their life events make young adults vulnerable to chronic loneliness. They said that transitions in life are when loneliness really occurs. Mm. And so like thinking about when my family moved from the Kansas City area to here in Pennsylvania, like, you know, having to make connections and, and reestablish people and like meet people and know people like that. That yeah. was a lonely time. Like I can and, imagine. Yeah. Like I caught myself definitely calling my friends in Kansas way more then than I than I do now, <laughs> you know, and like trying to keep that connection because it's like until I was able to build connections here, that feels pretty lonely. So 
that's one transition. But thinking about like going to college, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you go to a college that you don't know anybody, yeah, you know, not taking a friend. Yeah. If you move (laughs) away and like, then you're establishing new friends from the get go. Yeah. And that doesn't always go well, because we talked about before that friendship takes time. Yes. And so it's not immediate. So then you can be in proximity with someone, but that doesn't mean that you have intimacy and it doesn't mean that your loneliness isn't there. Yeah. You're not spending five 40 hour work weeks Mm -hmm. in with the same person at college. You're flitting in and out week to week. And then in in five months, it changes again. Well, and when you add that those hours that we talked about in one of those episodes about how many hours it takes to make a good friend. Yeah. The five weeks. That's what that was. Well, okay. So the 50, 50 hours to go from an acquaintance to a friend. Yeah. Right. And then 90 to have a good friend. And then it's 200 hours, the five work weeks, yep, yep. you know, that makes you really have a connection. So yeah. like even at a three credit class, you're not getting, yeah. you're not getting that much connection in, yeah. a, in a semester. So think about how, <laughs> how long it would take to really establish good, good, solid relationships. Yeah. Next <laughs> one. The myth. People who have found love aren't lonely. So people assume <laughs> that if you're married or, in, you know, in a relationship that you're not, you're not lonely. That's not true. Okay. You're right. <laughs> so the correction is the quality and not the type of the relationship keeps people from feeling lonely. Correct. So how good the relationship. Yeah. And so like it has nothing to do with, because I know people that are lonely in their marriage. Yeah, for sure. You know, and so um, the truth is that generally married people are less lonely because marriage often brings real belonging. But I, I want to say this though. I think that oftentimes people can be lonely in their marriage because like when you date, like you give everything to that dating relationship, mm-hmm. you know, like you are, you want to spend every waking moment with them. Like you, your heart is open and you share. And then when you get married, something, something will happen and like you get hurt, mm-hmm. you know? And so then instead of like resolving that, that heartache, you know, yeah. like you end up building a wall, you know, and, and we've talked about the need to be vulnerable in those relationships. And so then, um, if you aren't able to be vulnerable, then you, you start to build you know, you, you start to protect yourself and you become a can of biscuits, not busted. Right. And you don't want to let the, your other, your partner in. Mm -hmm. And so then, then you have the compounded when you have children and then you have to like take care of kids. And so then maybe you are like divide and conquer. And like, you end up having to send, you know, one parent with one kid and want the other parent with the other one. And so then like, you're just kind of coexisting in that season of life. And so then all of a sudden you kind of wake up and go, I, you know, I'm lonely. Yeah. You know, like even though you're, in proximity and you are in the same space, you are not having that intimacy and that connection, that closeness that you would perceive that you get in a marriage. Yeah. And I went back and I looked at some of the stats that we had pulled before and like 40 to 50% of marriages, the first marriages end in divorce, right? Yeah. Like you get to that point where you, you're not communicating effectively. Yeah. You're, you're, you're starting to, um, you know, feel unseen, feel like they're not listening. And then, you know, you start looking grass is greener somewhere else. And what happens? And you're not watering your and own you're grass. You're not watering your grass. So. Your own grass is getting brown because it's not got any attention. But really, like, you know, you're lonely. Figure out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't be afraid to, to yeah. communicate that to your spouse. Say, hey, I miss yeah. you. Oh, yeah. I tell my husband that. Oh, that's good. Even when he lies next to me and I'm like, I miss you. What do you mean? I'm right here. I'm like, ah, yeah, but I haven't seen you in like three days. So yeah, well, Todd and I definitely expect, yeah, we would say that to each other. Um, for sure. We, we see each other pretty often though, but, um, but when we're not together, it's easier to say that. Yeah. But I think saying I miss your physical presence is different than saying I, f- I miss your emotional intimacy. Yes. 
You know, those are two different messages. Well, and I'll just, I'll go back to that example, right? Because I'll say to my husband, I miss you because I haven't really had a chance to talk to you in three days. And, and his thing is, I'm right here. Why do you miss me? Right? Like it's a totally different understanding of what that means uh, sometimes in, in relationships. And so you have to be clear about what it means. Like you said. Yeah. Sounds like you need to have an explanation for what you mean when you say, I miss you. Have you told him? Oh yeah. Okay. I I have. He's like, I'm right here. What do you want, woman? He's like, oh, I don't really want to talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually what I get. I see. That's funny. (laughs) That's funny. So, so the conclusion on this myth is that the average person is less lonely when married, and single people want to get married. So, to fight loneliness, we need to work on healthy marriages, and singles need to cultivate belonging in a community together. So, like, singles don't need to assume that getting married is going to solve their problem of being lonely. Oh yeah, that's so good. Learn mm-hmm. learn the skills before you get married so yeah. that your marriage is strong when you get into it. Yep. There's way more than just having proximity. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, the next myth myth is that poor social skills are the root of loneliness. So people believe that like if you knew how to connect, if you knew how to have conversations, that that's at the root of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that I would put it at the root. I do think it's a component though. It, because yeah. like you, you have to be able to have a conversation and, and to connect with someone and to, to know how to do that. Agreed. And so, but so it's not just poor social skills. The correction is that people are lonely when they're insecure or have low status, whether from discrimination or for another reason. Hmm. So they're, they're lonely when they don't feel safe as opposed to having poor social skills. Do you have any thoughts about that one? No, keep going. Cause okay. I'm, I'm, I'm processing. following along. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the truth in the myth is that sometimes people are insecure because they expect and see negative interactions. So like they're looking for what's wrong. Okay. So when we, we talked about it, that Brene Brown um, quote, which basically was like, if you're going to look for opportunities to not belong, you're going to find them. Yeah. And if you look for opportunities to how you belong, you'll find those. Yes. It's like, what are you actually looking for? And okay. so if you're expecting to be um, ignored or overlooked or not included, then that's what you're going to see. Okay. So, and so, then you sit there and you stay in it. Yeah. Okay. And you're like, Oh, see, here's right. another sign. Oh, here's another sign. Oh, here's another one. You know? And then they, they neglect those, those, those other moments that say, yo, no, you do belong. Well, yeah, but I've experienced these things and this is what I see most often. And then they cling to that, I think. Okay. I guess for me, I would think then in that, in terms of that one, cause I had a, a little bit of a hard time trying to understand what she was talking about exactly but that that helps to explain it and I think what I would say in this case is I go back to the lifting people up right like mm-hmm. pushing people forward and trying to help them mm-hmm. um, find the growth right like push them into the growth that they can they can go forward and feel more secure in what they're doing be those relationships for other people absolutely it's like speak truth and, and life over those other individuals yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the conclusion on that one is fighting loneliness means removing true unfairness but it also means addressing your thought habits so when it's talking about unfairness, like one of the examples she gave was about like, like having a low socioeconomic status versus a high socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. So that, that socioeconomic status refers to like your amount of income or your amount of like, uh, how you're living your life okay. essentially. And so at, at higher social, socially economic status, <laughs> um, you know, you, you have more money. And mm-hmm. so then you have more opportunities to connect, meaning that like you, you can go spend money and go to a restaurant, you know, you can, uh, you can go do things that w- would provide you an opportunity to see people and connect with others. When, when you're low, low socioeconomic status, like you're, you're going paycheck to paycheck. You're trying yeah. to make sure that you've got enough to, to eat. Like you don't have time to go, um, you know, try to connect to someone for fun. Cause that sometimes costs money, you know? Um, well, well, I would say you don't always have to do something that costs money. I agree. Go out and find the things that don't cost money and do them and bring people along. I or, agree. like connect with people 
people and do those free things. Mm-hmm. And so then the second part of that was to address your, your thought habits. And so then if you're looking for the negative mm-hmm. things, that's what you're going to find. Yes. So doing your best to like to rethink those patterns. And so what are you doing to contribute to your thoughts? Like, is there any, is there evidence to what you're saying? Is there any other explanation? Like, can you look for other, other cues that you're not being excluded? Yeah. Mm Self-awareness. Definitely. Yeah. On to the next one. The myth. People are lonely because they spend too much time on social media. Mm. Some, some truth to that. Maybe, maybe. Okay. (laughs) Maybe not all the social media, but. So the correction, many people who use social media a lot also see people a lot in person which is protecting them from loneliness. Oh, okay. So then like you have those personal connections in person. And so you're, you're involved in a lot of things, but you're also on social media quite a bit. So there's not necessarily um, one for one. Like that doesn't mean yeah. more, more you're on the, the lonelier. But um, the truth in the myth is that social media, using social media and, and then loneliness have grown together so that as social media came about, like loneliness in society got worse. And so then both things ro- raise together when you're looking at like a graph, like they, sense, go, they yeah. go up together, they go hand in hand because the more social media, the more loneliness. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's because there's FOMO, so fear of missing out. And then uh, social media, apart from in-person relationships can be problematic. Yep. And then jealousy can make people feel lonely. And then we use social media in ways that make this worse. And because you only pr- you do your pilot wheel, reel. You yeah. just show the good things that are happening. Like you forget to talk about, or not forget, but you yeah. neglect. <laughs> you purposefully <laughs> neglect to talk about the things that aren't so great in your life. Yeah. And so then people are like, man, everything's going great for them. My life is no good. Blah, 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 blah. Well, and I think to that, you know, to kind of counteract that, it's always like that I wish statement. Oh, I wish that was my life. Oh, I wish I had th- this. Mm-hmm. I could do this. I wish I could do that. Um, there is nothing stopping you. Right? Like you can go out and start. You can go out and find. You can go out and do. It may not be the exact same. It doesn't yeah. need to be the exact same. Right? Like create your own experiences, but go out and do something. Don't don't sit passively and, and watch it happen for other people and then and then complain and be lonely about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Take a risk. Take a risk. That's our yeah, that's our tagline these days. Take a risk. <laughs> the conclusion to that one is that social media is tools, our tools, and when we use them to supplement healthy in person relationships, they're pretty safe. When we use them to replace those relationships or allow their distortion to alter how we think of our lives and relationships, we can find ourselves lonelier for using them. So okay. if you if it's used as a supplemental tool to your relationship, then you're good. Like it's, that's not a yes. bad thing. But if yes. it's like if it's in, in instead of, yeah, you know, and like you're hyper focusing on that and you don't have anybody else speaking truth into your life, that that can be problematic. Yeah, find somebody who's done something that you want to do and connect and say, hey, how did you do it? Because mm-hmm. I would like to I would like to do something similar. Or find a Facebook event and, you know, use it for Facebook events and connecting to do things. Well, and I think that's a good point where you just said, find somebody that's like doing it and ask them about it. Yeah. And so then I could see someone reacting negatively to that going, no, I'm not going to do that. But here's the reality, I would. right? Well, here's the reality. <laughs> so if someone came up to me and said, hey, Jen, you seem to be um, doing this aspect of your life well. Can you talk to me about that? I would be thrilled going, oh, I'd be happy to share what I know. Like the fact that you are acknowledging that something's going well for me and you want to share in that, let me tell you what I know. And so most people are going to react that way. They're going to be honored that you are wanting to hear from them. And so like, you know, when you ask someone to be your mentor or saying, hey, can you speak into this aspect of my life? Like very 
I don't want to say 100% of the time, but very rarely is someone going to say, I don't want to do that or yeah. no, thank you. They're going to be honored that you see that. And they're going to take the time to at least try to ex- express it in the best way, way that they can. And so, they may connect later with you on that, yeah. right? Like there's an mm-hmm. opportunity, you leave it kind of open for an opportunity to reconnect and say, hey, let me know how it goes, right? Yeah. I, I want to hear about your story and what you experienced. And so the, it, it just breeds breeds yes. connection truly. right right and so then don't you have af- to take the step you take do so don't be afraid of it like just do it and like we'll, you'll see their reaction if you do that and it bombs on you email me bustabiscuits3 at gmail.com i'm gonna need to hear your story i don't think it's gonna bomb okay <laughs> next one so the myth going to church makes people less lonely so people mm. perceive that if they go to church they're less lonely well, i think we talked about that earlier and mm-hmm. a little not bit real yeah. yeah so the correction that christians are generally as lonely as non-christians so essentially, like, like loneliness is like equal across everything. You know, it's yeah. like it doesn't matter when it comes to yeah. like whether you believe in God or not, you know, where you're serving him or not. Like it, it's, it's equal. Loneliness is equal. Nice. So the, the truth in the myth, during the pandemic, practicing Christians became much less lonely than other religious groups, indicating some previously hidden resilience to loneliness. Hmm. Now, I think I disagree with that because this st- stat is saying that, that they were already they were ready for the loneliness, like they could bounce back from it. I, I want to push back because I think churches did, were different in how they tried to engage their congregation during the pandemic, during that is COVID, true. Yeah. right? And so like for us, I know that our pastors like divided up um, different people in the church and then they made phone calls and they called them to check on them to see how they were doing. And then as, as quick as we could, like we got back to, to having a service, like they were recording it live and then having it um, that you could see it on, on social media mm-hmm. or you could watch it, you know, over Zoom or whatever. Um, I don't, and then we did small groups over Zoom. Like we were purposely trying to continue to allow people to connect when I think other organizations didn't do that. It's like, if you're not involved in a church and you don't automatically have a social group connection, like, I don't know, like the Eagles or the Moose was trying to connect with their members. During mm, true. The, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. like, so then I think that's probably part of the difference is that like churches felt an obligation to keep that connection going Fair. in ways that okay. maybe other social groups didn't. So that's my explanation for why it's different. That makes sense. But it's not based in research. It's my own opinion. That makes sense. I guess for me, my opinion would be like, having that as a foundation and mm-hmm. and knowing that there's going to be dark times and, you know, times of, of good things. Like there's always, you know, there's ups and downs in life. And so anticipating that a little bit better and knowing that, you know, from a faith perspective that, that I'm going to have to go through it. Right. And know that I'm just going to have to do what I've always done in order to get past it. Um, and so to me, you know, having that trust that God is going to see me through this was mm-hmm. actually how I got through. Although I'd just like to say I did not have downtime. And you didn't? <laughs> no. Mm. How come? Because I was a nurse okay. and my husband was a, um, worked for the, like the, we had to keep phone service on, right? Everybody oh. had to have internet. And so we had to, yeah. he works for the internet company. And so they all had to be out working. And so we were doing a lot of the grocery store runs for people and going to check in and visit on, visit people and things like that. So, you know, we didn't, we had actually more connections during uh-huh. COVID that were in person connections, which was strange, but true. Um, interesting. So yeah. Well, I, I definitely had downtime. Did you? Yeah, I did. And so I, I offered sessions over zoom, some yeah. or over FaceTime, um, more of a zoom. And, uh, so I, but I did it from home, you know, cause like we weren't really allowed to come back into this building during, oh, okay. during, like during the pandemic. So until like, you know, there was a, at some point they opened the building, but, but we weren't supposed to be in here. And so we weren't, we weren't in here. And, um, and so then, yeah, being at home, it was, it was nice. 
like it was nice. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Meh. So I'm sorry. That's okay. The Keep next going. Myth. Okay, the next myth. Um, when people are paying you attention, you won't feel lonely. So Meh. basically, if someone's if someone's like tuning into you, then you won't feel lonely. Um, that's a myth. Okay. Why do you think it's a myth? Do you think that's true? Like, if you feel like people are paying attention, that you wouldn't be lonely? Well, how sincere is that attention? Mm, good point. Yeah, good point. Know. Yeah. So the correction was that among U.S. adults, loneliness and too little privacy rise together. So like, oh, okay. so so think about like you know, oh, I don't know, a rock star or a you know, bebop teenagery person that people are <laughs> Hannah Montana back in the day. You know what? So like, <laughs> oh boy, my old reference, old reference, right? Um, and so like you think about like the more that like the paparazzi go, you know, after them, or mm-hmm. um, you know, the more attention that they're getting, the more lonely they feel because they don't have anybody. They don't know who they can trust. Yeah, like is someone trying to get close to them because they want information, or are they trying to get close to them because they really care about them? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. That like sad, that's yeah. on a big scale, right? But um. But I, I think at the same time, it, it happens with when you're, uh, when you don't have privacy. Like I think about situations like where you may be an adult living at home with your adult parents. Oh yeah. You know, and so then like your parents are all in your business, but like you want to have some separation from that, but yeah. you don't necessarily feel like you can talk to your parents about what's going on in your life. And so like you have people around you and they're paying attention to you, but you don't have <laughs> privacy. Yeah. And then that that really would um, connect to loneliness as that well. That makes a lot I of think. sense. Yeah. So the truth in the myth is that when you engage with people and work on relationships that require sharing your space, you may end up with less privacy, but more intimacy. So this, they're suggesting that you should take the time to try to connect when you are with someone yeah, when in close sense. proximity. So the conclusion on that one is that we, we need both privacy and company for our own sake and for the sake of our ability to function in society. So like you need to have both. You need to be able to, to spend time by yourself and like um, attend to the things that you want to attend to, but then you also need to have the opportunity to connect to other people so that you can not feel alone. Yeah. So this, I yeah. Like it. What, did, what stood out to you the most in this episode? Anything grab you that like you're taking away from it mm-hmm. that you can think of? Probably the... Uh like the statistics really just knowing like understanding what that really means like two-thirds of the people in the world yeah that's just crazy yeah that yeah. seems it's like nobody believes in them yeah mm-hmm. i think the one that stuck out to me and probably because i have kids these age was the the transition that that mm-hmm. you know yeah. young adults are lonely because of the transition because like you know if they're, they're transitioning to another phase of life and they don't have someone to go along with them that that can really be lonely well, and as parents, how do we navigate that? Because we've talked a little bit about having to give them their space, yep. but also still being that person that they can come back and rely on. Mm. Well, it makes I, it hard. Yes. I think you prepare them for it. You know, like you say, hey, the, there may be times that you're feeling lonely and, you know, and here's why. And you can use our numbers for how long it takes to really build a good, solid friendship. Yeah. And so to not to expect that everyone's going to like you or that you're going to connect to everybody right away. And so, you know, give yourself some grace and some time to do that. Nice. I think that's important. Good, good, good message to leave with. Yeah. So until next time when we bust some biscuits. Bye,